0: listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning everyone. It's good to see everybody. Happy uh, Memorial Day weekend. It's an American holiday, haven't heard of it. So in our Christian calendar, the text for today comes from John chapter 5. And so we're going to start there. It's the first nine verses. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there was a pool called, in Hebrew, Bethesda, which has five porticos. In these uh, lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am making my way, someone else steps ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once the man was made well, and he took up his mat, and he began to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath. So a few things. Um, If you were perhaps reading along in your NASB, the New American Standard Bible, or in your KJV, the King James Bible, they had an extra verse in there which is a pretty interesting thing for us. Like, why would somebody have an extra verse? And if if the original had the verse, why would anyone ever leave it out? Or if the original didn't have the verse, why would anybody ever add it in? So this is one of those cases where most of our translations, most of the modern translations, take verse 4 of chapter 5 and they move it down to a footnote. Well, who in the world would have the audacity to do such a thing? Um, Well, as it turns out, our oldest manuscripts of the New Testament didn't have this verse. In fact, it didn't have the verse for quite a while. It seems as though at some point along the way there was a scribe copying down John chapter 5, or what we call John chapter 5, copying the Gospel of John. And they got to this point and they thought, well, why in the world was this guy trying to get down in that water? And somebody wrote in the margins an explanation. Well, an angel comes down and rustles the water, and the first person who gets in the water is healed. And it was like a marginal note. Well, give it a little bit of time, and somebody else comes along, and they see in the margins this note that says, an angel comes down and rustles the water, and the first person that gets in the water gets healed. And they thought, well, why in the world would somebody write that in the margins as opposed to write it in the text? They were probably copying it down, and they missed that. Bit And so they had to write it in the side. So in my version, I'm not going to make that mistake. I'm going to make sure it makes it in there. And they, they kind of wrote it in. So that's probably how it ended up there. Which I know this is kind of a technical way to start the argument. Start the argument. I'm not trying to argue with you. Um <laughs> I know this is kind of a technical way to start this sermon, but I wanted to bring it up for a couple of reasons. One, just in case you listen to the podcast or you're hearing this sermon and you're familiar with the story, or you were reading along and you wondered why I skipped it, right? But there's another reason I wanted to do that, and there's two really. One is we're all the time, I think, looking for some kind of magic bullet or magic pill, we want something that if we, if we had that thing, then our life would be okay. And we make up sometimes some fanciful things, like, you know, if I had a superpower, or if I, if I were king for a day, or this is a, this is a common one, if I won the lottery, <laughs> Right? And so we imagine what our life would be like if we had more power or if we had more money or if we could snap our finger and God would just come at our beck and call. Almost like God was a genie, you know? But, but God's not a genie. God's not here. You don't, you don't rub a lamp and get three wishes. Uh, that's, that's not how this thing works. And so as we're reading this story, I think we need to to read it probably like the original folks had to read it, which is without that, um, what did the uh, actors in the room call it? The Deus Machina, the God machine. So sometimes in uh, plays, if uh, the the playwright has written the, the hero or heroine into a corner and they're not quite sure how to get them out of it, this is an ancient Greek place. They, they had a crane, and the crane would kind of come down, and then the person could step in it, and they'd be scooped up and taken to another part. They called it the God Machine. It was also known as bad writing, <laughs> right? They hadn't written their, their play well enough to get their hero out of the predicament they were in. And so I think sometimes we do that. We find ourselves in difficult situations and we think, oh, if we only had something magical to, to deliver us. There's two other quick things uh, as we begin. This is the first time in the Gospel of John that we've seen uh, someone who's sick. And when Jesus sees this man later on, he's, he's in the temple, and Jesus says to him, stop sinning unless something worse happens to you. And so his disciples seem to associate sin and sickness. Because the next time we see someone who's sick in the Gospel of John, it's in chapter 9, and it's the man that was born blind. And so when this disciples see the sick person, they ask Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? And that might seem like a strange thing you know, to our ears because we think people are sick for all sorts of reasons besides sin. But in the storyline, the only other person to have been sick was this man at the sheep gate by the pool. And that time, sin and sickness seemed to be related. So Jesus said to them, well, no one sinned with the man born blind. No one sinned. This is is a different thing altogether. The the, the two don't have anything to do with each other. And this is is an important lesson to, to learn, too, That sometimes you'll read a story, even a story in Scripture, and you think, oh, it equates these two things, so therefore they must always be equated. But we need to kind of see the whole scope of the story. It would be a mistake to say, well, in Scripture, these two things are together, therefore they're always together. Because what if there's another passage of Scripture where they're not together? It's, it's, uh, Paul will tell Timothy to, to work and to labor in word and doctrine, rightly dividing the word of truth, so that we don't kind of wrongly divide it. So we want to be careful of that, too. Uh, if all, I mean, if nothing else, for this particular reason, we don't, anytime somebody gets sick, we don't want to say, well, how have you sinned? <laughs> that, would, that would not be the best. <laughs> Lastly, in terms of this kind of introduction, this happened on the Sabbath, so on a day that particularly you'd be called, on, called upon to rest, Jesus heals this man and he says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at least some of the religious folk would have seen that as uh, inappropriate at best and maybe sinful at worst. Like you're supposed to rest on the Sabbath, what are you doing carrying your mat around? In fact, later on in this passage, he gets asked just that. And he doesn't, he doesn't give the very best answer. He kind of throws Jesus under the bus. He's like, well, the guy who made me well told me to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. And then Jesus sees him and says, hush. That's my translation. He says, stop. <laughs> Don't do that anymore. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. All right, so let's, let's think about how this passage of Scripture might um, apply to our lives. So this, this man is sitting by the pool and he's experiencing some kind of paralysis. Now, I think paralysis in our lives comes in a variety of ways. Obviously, there's physical paralysis sometimes if you can't move, but I think there's also like psychological and emotional paralysis. I think there's sometimes spiritual paralysis, or maybe there's financial paralysis. We find ourselves in a position that we feel like, for whatever reason, we just can't move. And I I want us to think about those times. I want us to reflect on them, because I think sometimes when we're experiencing paralysis, we're experiencing it not because of an ultimate reality that can't be any other way, but because we feel paralyzed by our situation. Like our problem is too big for us to solve, And so therefore, we feel like we can't do anything about it. And and I I want us to kind of be delivered from that a bit, that that sometimes there is something we can do, like we can reach out, we can call. I want to speak a little bit more to this idea of kind of faulty expectations, because sometimes we find ourselves in a variety of different paralysis, and we think, Nothing can be done because I don't have this, that, or the other. I call this that if only paralysis. If only, if only. Right? So some people think if only I was married, you know, then my life would be just right. And then maybe some people think if only I was divorced, <laughs> my, my life would be just right. Or if only I had that job. Or if only I had you know, that money, or if only I had that, whatever the kind of material or physical or emotional even, right? Psychological support that we thought we feel like we need. So this man has his own expectations, right? Jesus comes to him and he says, do you want to be made whole? And he's like, well, I don't have anybody to throw me in the water fast enough. And Jesus is like, I'm not, I'm not asking, do you want me to throw you in the water? I'm asking, do you want to be made well? And so there's a variety of reasons why people might want to get down into water that was troubled. So there's that somewhat fanciful one that an angel comes down and disturbs the water, but that that seems a little unlikely to me, because there's no other else in Scripture. And for that matter, there's nowhere else in extra Jewish non biblical literature where angels went around healing people. Like, we don't, we don't find that anywhere. That's not in the Old Testament. That's not in the Mishnah of the Talmuds. That's not in the Pseudepigrapha. It's not in the Apocrypha. All that extra literature. It's not there, nor is it in Scripture. Angels aren't going around just healing people or, or troubling waters and people jumping in and getting healed. Like, that's not something that happens anywhere else other than this one gloss. In, in John. So, so why would people want to get into water? Like if you're sore, if you can't move, you know, if you're having a hard time, the, the waters there by the pools of Bethesda were at a natural hot spring. Sometimes they bubble up and when they bubble up in a hot spring, you know what you do? You get into the water. And what does that do for you? It makes you feel better. And so what's happening to this poor bloke, right? So the waters are bubbling up, and he's trying to drag himself you know, down to the water, but by the time he gets there, it's full. Like he can't get in. And so he, he meets this rabbi who's come by the pool one day, and, and he thinks, oh, this, this is like a really nice guy. He's offering to kind of throw me over into the pool so I get a chance to be in the hot tub when it bubbles up. But Jesus is like... That's not, that's not what I'm here for. And I think sometimes that's exactly how we experience God in our lives. I'm thinking, if only I could have this. If only I could have that. And God's coming along offering me something altogether different and altogether better than what my best expectations could be. Or what I think would solve my problem. And we do this not only with ourselves, but we also do this with others. Like we'll see somebody else and they'll be in a tight spot and we think we know what's best for them. So we'll just say, hmm, for them, not for us, for them. If only you would, you know, if only you would do this, if only you would do that, we could fix your problems because I know what's best for you. But I think often in the toughest of times, not only do we not know what's best for us because we just don't know, but we also don't know what's best for others. There's something there's something that God can do for us that we just can't do for ourselves. And I want I want to get into that more in just a minute, but there's another detail to this story that I'd like to look at first. This guy has been paralyzed for 38 years. Now, for us, that might just seem like a long time. 38 years is a long time. But in the story, in the big story of God and Israel, 38 years is the amount of time that the, the Hebrews wandered in the wilderness. This is the amount of time that they experienced their own kind of paralysis. Like they didn't, they didn't occupy, they didn't possess the promised land. Instead, they wondered and they wondered, and they wondered. 38 years, I mean, that's a long time to wonder. That's a whole generation of people of wondering. Now, we know that the, the great prophet Gandalf says that not all those who wander are lost, right? And I don't want to get into debate with you about, about that. I would agree, not all who wonder are lost, but at least some who are wondering are lost. <laughs> They're wandering around because they don't know which way to go. They're wandering around because they think they know the goal they should have. They think if they had, again, this, that, or the other, the job or the relationship or the house or the car or the clothes or the watch or just things to fall right for them for once, right? They think they know the answer. But in reality, in reality, they don't. So Jesus comes, and he offers the man not just health, but he offers the man new perspective, right? He doesn't just put the man in the water and say, be healed. Like the guy never actually gets into the pool. All those years, he's been waiting to get down into the pool. And in the end, he never gets there. In the end, Jesus just says, stand up, take your mat and walk. And sometimes I think we just need to hear that in the most basic instruction. Like, this, this is not overly spiritual at this point. This is just good human advice. Get up. Move. Do something. There's something to be done. Don't let your life and your unfulfilled expectations cause paralysis in your life. Sometimes it's just a time for action. And and you just need to do it. Uh, Dr. King used to say, because people would want to talk and talk and talk and talk about, you know, how are we going to make this world a better place? And how are we going to find some kind of racial justice? And they want to talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. And he used to use this phrase, analysis to paralysis. So we're going to analyze and analyze and analyze and analyze and analyze to eventually our analysis just paralyzes us. And we don't want to be like that, right? We want to take his advice, and we want to take, even more importantly, Jesus' advice. We want to stand up. We want to take up our mat. We want to do what we can do. Now, in closing here, there's something more uh, sensitive that, that I want to talk to you about, and that's this. The most important things I think in our lives are ones that we don't do alone and that we can't do for ourselves. So uh, I was talking uh, this week with a friend um, and she was telling me a story in her life about a time where she was kind of stretched very thin. And she got an advice and the vice was, in the midst of all this, take care of yourself. So on the one hand, a certain amount of self-care we can appreciate, right? We should get rest, we should eat well, we should you know, have a positive attitude. But if someone's stretched thin, if someone's kind of almost at their breaking point, maybe the last thing we need to tell them is take care of themselves, because they're the ones who need care. Like maybe what we need to do is to care for them. Like maybe that's what we should do. So people could be doing everything right, right. You could be exercising, you could be resting, you could be eating well, you could be having a positive attitude, and your life can still be falling apart. So what do you do then? Well, you rely on others. I mean, those people who are often, and it was the case here, she she was at her her kind of physical and mental and emotional end because she was pouring her life out to care for her family. And so at some point, we just need to stop telling other people to self-care, and we need... To be those who care for them. Like literally, to give up your hopes, to give up your dreams, to lay aside your aspirations for the sake of your family or for your spouse or for your children, that has to be the most Christ like activity. Well, I just got to take care of myself. That's not exactly what Jesus said. Maybe the most Christ like activity is literally to sacrifice yourself for those you love. Like that is what it means to be like Christ. So, yeah, maybe you could have done something, you could have gone here, or you could have gone there, or you could have done this, or you could have done that. But to do it would have meant that your family or your friends or your church would have had to suffer. Or have had to gone with less because you weren't there to help. Like This is quintessentially Christian. Sometimes, too, I've heard people say, well, you just got to forgive yourself. Forgiveness is not something we do to ourselves. Forgiveness is something someone else gives us. You need to be a forgiver. You need to forgive others. But God has already forgiven you. You just need to accept the forgiveness that God has given you. This is key, I think, because we try to do things for ourselves that are actually out of our capacity instead of just leaning into God and letting God do those things that only God can do. You're never going to save someone else's soul. Right? If you have a loved one and you want them to come to the Lord, look, you can't save them. You can't save yourself and you can't save them. It doesn't work that way. We know who the Savior is. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the Savior. Right? You might want to heal someone that's sick, but you can't do that either because only God is the healer. You might want to resurrect the dead You can't do that either because only God is the Resurrector. We need to let God be God and we need to just be the faithful witnesses that we're called to be. Sacrificing ourselves too, not because it's uh, uh, sacrificing myself somehow saves me or saves them. It's because it's who Jesus is and I'm called to be Jesus's disciple. He says, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. In other words, live the human life the way I've lived the human life. Follow me. That's what we're called to do. Again, not because it's somehow in our power. Sometimes we are actually paralyzed. right? We actually need someone else to pick us up because we can't pick ourselves up. And that's what the church is for. We're here for you. If your times are tough, look, call, text, fill out a communication card. Let us know. We have to be here for each other because that is who we are called to be. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.